What's up, Daw Nation? My name is Wyatt Troy, and I want to welcome you to episode 6.5 of Behind the Daw, where we usually interview artists, music producers, music industry experts on an emotional, philosophical, and artistic basis. But as you notice, this is a 0.5 episode. So how does that differ from the normal episodes? I'm glad you asked. A 0.5 episode is when we take the audio of our YouTube series in the DAW, we put it in a podcast form so you can partake of it on the go, listen to it, and get that perfect combination of emotional and technical knowledge. Of course, the emotional is coming from behind the DAW, technical coming from in the DAW. I'm very sorry if this recording is kind of sounding like I'm in a room. I'm in a room. Just kind of the way it is. We're, uh, I'm, I'm recording today from Dixie State University in a, in a group study room. I'm sure people think I'm doing an assignment of some sort. I don't even go to school here. So, so hey, I'm sorry, I'm sorry if you can uh, hear extra reverberation or, or what have you. So three things really quick before I get into who we are interviewing today. First thing is the Patreon. For those who are patrons to In the Dawn Behind the Dot, again, thank you so, so much. If you are considering becoming one, again, thank you so, so much. It is the lifeblood. It is what helps us keep going with the In the Dot and Behind the Dot projects. And plus, it helps you get a better look behind the scenes if you're really liking the show and get extra rewards for it. One of them is getting access to the In the Dot and Behind the Dot patron-only Discord community. It's amazing. You can collab with each other, get extra tips and tricks on music production. We keep up on all the latest news in the music industry. It's fantastic. I would highly encourage you to go check that out. My second thing I want to remind you about is the suggestions link down in the description. If you want to suggest an artist or a music industry expert or what have you come on the show, go ahead and click on that link. You'll get connected with our DawBot. You can tell them all your expectations, all the people you want to come on. It's, it's, it's really simple. Go ahead and click on that link. Third thing before we get into it is the link down in the description for private lessons. If you want private lessons in music production or if you want private lessons in social media marketing, please click on that link down in the description. I'm more than happy to get you all set up with those. All right, so who are we interviewing today? Today we are interviewing Madoka. And if you haven't checked out episode six of Behind the Daw, highly encourage you to do that. It's where we interview Madoka, more on the emotional side. But today we're going to be talking about his remix that he did for Crywolf for Silk. It's one of my favorite songs ever. It's playing in the intro right now. So, Madoka, he's the roommate to Crywolf, literally walked up to him, gave him a USB and said, give me the stems, I'm going to remix it. But what are we going to be talking about today in the interview? We're going to be talking about using Foley creatively. Now this guy, this guy is the Foley guy. And if you go through and you listen to the song, you're going to be able to hear things like crackling charcoal bags or like crackling Snickers bars, uh, closing a door, rolling a chair across the floor, things such as that. He knows how to take this and really use it creatively to get sounds that no one else has. So we're going to be talking about that. Second thing we're going to be talking about is creative remixing. This guy is amazing at remixing. He doesn't just do the generic remixing. He doesn't take the idea of a song and then just create his own. He enhances the remix. He takes the original concept of the remix and takes it further, which in my opinion creates the best type of remixes. And then finally, we're going to talk about binaural recording and binaural panning. Now, what does that mean? Instead of just panning something from left to right, it feels like something is going around your head, right? It takes you on this three-dimensional journey, all right? So we're going to get into that. And finally, if you like this episode, if it's really helping you along your musical journey, go ahead and like, comment, subscribe, follow, repost, you know, whatever is appropriate on the particular platform that you're listening to this, whether it's iTunes or Spotify, SoundCloud, Deezer, Google Play, YouTube, wherever you're listening to it, go ahead and do that. It lets us know that what we're doing is actually legitimate. So with all that being said, and without further ado, I want to introduce you to Madoka. 
Probably my favorite bit of the track was actually the like the intro section and, and all those kind of background noises and stuff. Were they, were they samples or did you kind of take things and then turn, turn them into those sounds? Or? So what had happened was <clears throat> Justin gave me the acapella for just his vocal and uh, Mothika's vocal and I created everything else around it. But one of the things I did to make the kind of eerie piano sound in the intro that starts it off was I played the melody of the verse, which is, or the pre-chorus. Then I kind of made an outro out of that. And then I think what I did was I took that dry piano that is playing the pre-chorus melody and did one of the, I reversed it and then reversed the reverb back into it just so it has this very like distant uh, kind of moody sound to it. But yeah, there's, um, I'm a huge sucker for Foley. I'm always like recording with my task and I actually just went to the desert with some friends and recorded a bunch of really great stuff. Sound of the playground, there is, this is the sound of a plastic bag that's slowly being, I think it's being pitched up, right? First off, I just gotta say, I'm so glad that you're using a cymatics thing because on literally every episode, <laughs> literally every episode everyone has and it's so cool. Let's see, I think, yeah, I think this is just the sound of plastic bag being filtered in. So that's what that sound was, I was wondering. Yeah. It's just the crinkle of a plastic bag. And there's also, I think, a, a vinyl noise layer somewhere in here. Oh, and there's this one. Um, it's the sound of a chair rolling across the floor, but I pitched it down a lot. So I think normally it's very pitched up. It's, <laughs> it's the sound of a chair rolling across the floor. Altogether, that is popping out. I can't. Yeah, if you need a minute to kind of. So here's a bit of backstory into how I work with Contact. I have access to all the sounds that came with it, but they only last for about 10, 15 minutes until I get the demo message and it just completely yeah. freezes the track. So what I have to do is write the, uh, the melody or the, the arrangement of strings that I'm using Contact for freeze and flatten it before it goes to demo mode and then process it. Which fun fact for everyone. So that's actually super cool because a lot of native instruments, things do that where like you get the full version for like 15 to 30 minutes or whatever, and then it goes to demo version. But you know, if you can crank something out in 15 to 30 minutes and hurry up and convert it to audio like Chaz did here, that's awesome because then you can have access to a lot more things. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a little bit of just pressure that's built yeah. in to just hurry up and write <laughs> something before you have to, you lose it or you lose the sound or something. That's awesome. What kind of reverb are you using on there? The KR reverb? Is that what that is? Yeah, it's um, it's a free uh, reverb from Computer Music Magazine. Like, cool. If you ever picked one of those up, they give you the CD of free plugins and samples that are usually, you know, whatever. But this one I use on everything. It sounds so good. That's awesome. And then what are you doing with the trash too? I think it's just saturating. It's not. It's just kind of pulling it up a little bit. But yeah, it's just on tape saturation. Gotcha. Just so kind nothing of, too extreme. Yeah. So uh, how did you do the main? I suppose you might call it kind of like a lead sound, but like the main. I'm not. Yeah, not quite. Not quite sure how, how to describe it. But it's almost got. It's like the really really wide sound. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you, if you called that the lead or not. Uh, in the drop or still in the intro? Oh yeah, in the drop. Sorry, yeah, in, in the main section. Yeah. So I think what you're referring <coughs> to is this. 
Right? I think so. So, actually, if you listen to the original version of Silk... There's just this drone-like layered vocal pad in the outro of Silk that I took and then went into the envelope tab and changed the preserve to eighth notes. I think it was at 80. And it just kind of makes a very staccato. Um, punchy version of that. And that's how I, how I made that. And it's layered with uh, a few other synths as well. Oh, I always I always try to explain that to people. What is this What is this mode called? I just go into... I, I suppose it's some sort of like transient preservation thing. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose... I yeah, kind of that's exactly more, what it is. More normally you'd use it for drums, but... I think it's really cool that using it in a different creative way, so, which I must admit, I've never seen anyone do before, but it's a really, really, really cool idea. I do. I feel like I use it pretty often, too. I think I even did it on... There's a there's one audio layer of bass that I think I did the same thing, too. Just because it's doing similar to what an LFO tool or like some sidechain would do if you just wanted that consistent pulsating eighth note or quarter note, but you do it in the audio. You know what? I didn't do it on this track. I did that on my newest one uh, called Baby is where I froze the bass and did the same thing to it. On the, on the sub? Yeah, on the sub. Gave it a nice little like pulsing feeling. Yeah. In the drop, I really, I don't know how to explain this either. It kind of sounds like a watery sound or something that you have later in there. Do you have some water foley in there? Oh yeah, I, oh, okay. I again, I love me some foley. There's yes, all kinds I of I love your use on. of foley in this. Your use of foley is amazing. There's like, I think that's the drum loop. Yeah. So inside this mess of a group, there's all kinds of stuff happening. We have that's just a noise layer. Let's see. There's definitely water in here. Let's see if I can find that. Yeah, here it is. That's it. I think I may have done. No, I didn't. I've also used the. Um, transient preservation technique on water samples and instead of just getting a like a splashy sound you can get a very like rhythmic effect going let me see if i can find it in the madoka sample pack drum loops yeah so like there's water i think the same water samples but i just put the transient preservation technique on them and made like it sounds like a hit but it's like this wet weird yeah. percussive thing i like that a lot so oh you, wait We've got all kinds of other noises. The snares are layered with water, and I think it's also... Yeah, just each time a snare hits, there's this uh, effect. Yeah, it looks like you're going from every other snare. You're kind of switching the two water sounds. That's that's super cool. Did you record these water samples or did you find them somewhere? I want to say I recorded this one. And then this one is from uh, the direct sample pack, like which it. is also an awesome sample pack if you want a uh, garage burial sounding thing. Like, there's some amazing samples. And it's very underrated. It's like on his... SoundCloud and like on Selfie, and that's it. And it's amazing. It's so good. 
How do you go about processing samples? Because I found that when I process or when I record samples and I bring them into Ableton, it's just like, I don't know, they just don't fit very well. Or like, I don't know if I'm subconscious about it. You know what I mean? How do you go about that? What I do is I like, here's a whole folder of stuff that I've recorded. Try to keep my processing pretty minimal. That way, if I want an actual effect on it later on in the song, the effect happens then and isn't like the sound itself isn't tainted. But I just take my Tascam DRO5 and once I have a batch of sounds I recorded, put them in here and just put a low pass EQ, any like harsh sounds out of it and a little bit of compression and try to keep it just that. Yeah, I don't know if, I guess I've just had pretty good luck with getting the samples to sound good. I was just walking out of my garage and uh, I think one of my favorite sounds from this pack is the sound of just our charcoal bag. Layering that on the snares. This one is also good. It has such, such, such a like high crispy sound to it with like a really rich stereo feel. I don't know. But yeah, the mic kind of worked out. And I, I, again, to answer your question, I think I just keep the processing as minimal as possible. And honestly, I think I just put a, I think I just searched for like a, uh, wherever the, there was like a faint buzz of the sound of the mic pulling it in and just kind of cut that out of the EQ and I think I was okay. I may have, I have, I have the waves bundle with the um, noise reducer and all of that, but I don't think I used it on that, to be honest. Did you have to make quite a bit of room for, for Justin and Mothica's vocals? Or was there, yeah, yeah, I guess I should ask, how did you make room for them? The acapella itself is so good that it was kind of pretty easy to work around it. Let's see. I more so mean like it, within your sound design or within your arrangement, did you have to go into elements and like basically make a dip in the EQ to make room for them? I don't think so. I, I think I kept, I mean, the instrumentation in the verse and pre-chorus is pretty simple, I think. It's just a bunch of textural Foley sounds and uh, a few synths and piano, really. And you felt like nothing was battling them. That's awesome. But I guess, I mean, I didn't do it intentionally, but those two sounds definitely lend to their voices because this is just playing kind of this uh, higher mid-range area of the spectrum and then just have that bass and piano, whereas the vocal's going to sit right here on like 1K. It's kind of naturally kind of did that. Yeah, so a question quite a lot of people ask me about doing remixes is when you have the acapella to work with, almost always, unless it's a really strange acapella, that acapella will be in a certain key. How do you write the rest of your track around that key? Do you, do you know music theory or do you end up having to almost like look up the notes and then sort of use those notes? Or yeah, how do you approach that? I generally am pretty good with just like listening. Like this song, I think I used the same chord progression as the original for at least the uh, verse and pre-chorus. And I just listened to the song a couple of times and kind of wrote it in. I didn't, I didn't seek out to change. I didn't, I didn't feel the need to write my own chords as they already fit so well. I was like, I, I don't need to challenge that. Good. Did you do you understand theory pretty well? Yeah, I um when I was uh in high school I studied jazz guitar for a little while and have a pretty good understanding of just like taught me like all the chords, all the uh, variations and nine chords, six chords, major major like just all of that. It was really good um time for me to learn music theory but listen to jazz i don't care for jazz anymore <laughs> kind of related to that so how do how do you choose the notes for the sub do you do you always have it being the root of the chord or did you just do it by ear or i just did it by ear i think the the notes are just playing what's in the uh the verse of the song
But yeah, it was just kind of by ear. I listened to Silk a few times and I think I strummed guitar along to it and figured out how it went and then just made my own version of the song really is kind of how I approached this remix. That sub has a very unique texture to it. Can we take a look at what you got going on there? Yeah, of course. Put the bad boy up. Pretty simple patch. It's just this one oscillator and a sub oscillator. And... Uh, um, yeah, it's just oscillating between the wavetable position and... So the main tone of it is actually coming from a wavetable then. So, so like, because uh, for those of you who don't know, so like most of the time when you want to hear the sub on like uh, cell phones or, or laptops or whatever, usually what people will do, well, they'll have a, like a pure sine wave and then they'll saturate it either, you know, with, with some sort of uh, saturation. A little bit uh, further along in your chain looks like you did that too, but... It looks like here what you did to give it some tone so they could come through the through the speakers a little bit more is you actually processed it with a, a wavetable. That's that's really unique. I've never seen that before. Yeah, I mean it was just like a. I mean the idea was to make it similar to like a Reese where it's just like a detuned saw on top of the sub, but just make it really subtle. That way it's clear again on cell phones and any other system that you could hear the sub. If I can turn that off. But the. If you can see, even the wavetable itself is pretty not extreme. Like if you open up any of the other uh, serum patches, there's you know, they're pretty intense. This one just kind of—I mean, even even at the very end of it, if I bring it to here, it's basically a sine. But over here, it has a little grit to it. And then, yeah, it's only distortion and the effects over here. And saturated it a little bit. This is a plugin that makes it mono below 160 hertz or wherever you set it to. And it's also clearly a big EQ. It has all kinds of stuff that I guess I boosted the bass. Um, yeah. well, I guess I, I don't know. And then cut some of the highs and lows on it, which isn't necessary because I could have cut all of this. Oh, and another another thing I did, this is one of my favorite discoveries in the past few months, is not Serum itself, but just the Serum Effects VST. So I think at the end of this, I used the Serum Effects VST to make fills. So that's the reverb filter, which is just insane. Let's see if I, I think it's more audible on um, some of the synth layers. Crazy, crazy sound. I love it so much. And you primarily got that by automating the, the wet and dry on the on the reverb filter? Yeah, so if you open Serum, I just have this on a bus of probably three different synths playing. Yeah, three different synths, and then so it's on the group. Oh, and so just, group. I'm just automating the cutoff of this filter. So really just has this insane Transformers robotic sound that it's so cool yeah I just use that as a fill where I at the end of the bar turned on serum effects and then automated the the cutoff to make that thing so all together
Yeah, it has an insane sound to it. How, how long would a track like this normally take you? Like 10 hours, 20 hours? or? I mean, they always range. I feel like how this one came about was I was making a few songs very similar to the way this this drop happens. And so once I got the acapella, I immediately knew what I wanted to do with it and where I wanted to go with it. And uh, I was so excited that I sat down and probably did most of the song in a day or two. Then a few weeks of just kind of nitpicking and fine tuning and mixing and mastering a thousand times. Eventually, uh, I was happy with it. Do you have a specific formula to creating songs like this? Like, do you start off with the drums and then move to the synths? Or is it kind of just whatever you're feeling at the time? I don't know. I've been really into just the, uh, as far as electronic music goes, the four on the floor beat, but at a high tempo. So it just has a very driving, but slow feel like this one. My last release baby does that. And I have a few more on the way that just have this like very similar rhythm where it just feels like it's just like really just moving along, but at this like, I don't know, haunting tempo where it's like, it's like, I don't know, it's hard to describe, but I really love the way this one sits. So this one, again, I heard the acapella and knew what which, uh, tempo it kind of sat at and I just went for it. Was uh, was Justin, who goes by Carwolf, was he pretty pleased with the remix? Yeah, he loved it. He was um, really stoked on all of the all the Foley sounds and I think he described it as a ASMR sounding remix yeah exactly <laughs> i was like sure for those who don't know what asmr is do you want to tell them what that is asmr is a weird sector of youtube where people will do anything from give you uh binaural ear cleanings to doing your makeup to just like it's a high focus of strange sounds so you'll have somebody just like talking to the mic with again a makeup brush and you hear just the sound of the brush or you'll hear it could be anything someone just crinkling leaves or just tapping on a wine glass to just like speaking in whispers like it's a definitely an interesting section of youtube that i don't i don't find myself in very much i just kind of like weird sounds <laughs> i don't find myself there very much either i just think that the actual like the concept is really cool because have you ever seen the microphones that they use yeah they're really really cool they were like the things on the the, 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 the human head size yeah it actually looks like ears like, no, I, yeah, I, yeah, it, I don't know what about. That's I'll definitely look into that. Yeah, it's really cool. It's actually a really cool concept, especially for us as producers, because we could utilize that in a stereo sense. Basically, it looks like two ears. So basically, yeah, the one that I saw is like it was the girl massaging the ears, and you could it literally felt like someone's there. I don't know, touching ears, but it's yeah, the sound it head felt like she was there. yeah, it's like really really weird but there's actually a uh, a really cool i don't know what you call it, like software or plugin where it emulates that um you can actually uh, you can get it i'll have to go find the the link for it but basically what it is is it's uh what it'd be a very specific stereo imager i guess right yeah just yeah put things kind of directly in that place exactly and it does it really really well so a lot of people who uh do stuff for video games use it uh, as far as like you know like a rocks crackling or water falling or whatever it is but basically you can drag a, a sound into it and move the sound around so you can make it go around your head and do this way and that way and all kinds of stuff and then convert that to audio and then bring it back into your session and kind of have that and i was like that's pretty freaking cool you know that's what i mean awesome yeah i'd highly encourage you to check that out I'll send the, the link over to you because i feel so, like yeah, you're please, super into that kind of stuff were there any points in this track that were, were difficult or did the whole track flow together quite easily honestly the mix and master was kind of i think it had something to do with that sound i like in the serum uh reverb filter because it creates this weird stereo effect and i think once i was getting to the actual master once i had to once the song hit that point it continued to peak and I had to find a way to like properly compress that and limit it and make sure it wasn't going to sound terrible once it's running through the master bus and it was like really took a lot of just fine tuning it was 
pretty aggravating after a while, but it worked out. I'm stoked on how the mix and master is now. That sound when you're just creating sounds so cool. It is such a great sound to have this, whatever you're playing with, just go off into stereo field crazy land. But once, once it's being run to the master and it's peaking all the time, it's like hard to uh, control that and still get the same effect. The final question I have for you is, uh, is a question we ask everyone that comes on the show. I guess I actually technically have two questions. Question number one is if you could go back in time and sit with yourself as you, as you and yourself started this project, what pieces of advice would you give the old you to make everything go easier to go, you know what I mean? Kind of just basically like look out for this, try this, you know what I mean? It's a loaded question. There's a lot. There's a lot. I want to tell myself, hey, Chaz, come on, man. You got to pay attention to this um, honestly, I think what I would do is now Madoka is about two years old and I, um, I'm really stoked where it's at and the progression it's had, but I continue to find myself subconsciously listening to more successful artists and people who are just doing better. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I don't even really like their sound, but they're, it's working. I, there's a part of me that's always like, oh, I should, you know, try some new things and like try to go in that lane. And every time I do, I'm so unfulfilled and so unhappy. And I always go back to just making like my music. So I think I just need to reassure younger Chaz or younger Madoka um, to just stay, just continue to carve out your own thing and not worry about anyone else's doing. I watched uh, the HBO series The Defiant Ones with uh, Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre recently. And one of the things Jimmy Iovine said that I thought was so cool was working in music, you have to work like a racehorse. And that racehorses have blinders on the sides of their head so they don't see the other horses. If they see them, they'll run into them and trip and fall and lose track of them just sprinting. And I think music is that way. You have to know what you want to do and put the blinders up and just sprint and just go for it. And it's so easy in the age of social media and the internet and hearing about what literally everyone's doing all of the time, very easy to get caught up and worry about being yourself. And that's the most important thing as an artist is to be yourself because that's what people connect to if they hear this unique expression is some part of themselves in it. And you can't do that if you sound like somebody else. And then the final question I have for you is, uh, is something that we always do on the show too, which is we always ask the artist if you want feedback from us about the song. Is that something that you would like? Oh, yeah. Cut it open. Yeah, I, I think yeah, literally only one thing jumped out uh, when I first listened to it, which is I think, strangely, one of or, or like my, my favorite sound from the drop section sounded a little bit like it was biased to the left side, uh, which I couldn't decide whether I or I'm just not used to, if you know what I mean, because, because we're so used to it in, in, in dance music having everything almost too central like if you listen to like normal music quote unquote like things are on the on the sides and that's cool but i'm kind of so conditioned to things being so symmetrical that it was kind of weird having it slightly off to the side which I'm, i must admit i couldn't couldn't quite figure out if i liked it or not but yeah that, that was just the, the only thing that that kind of jumped out i think i think i listened to something Lido said recently where he was talking about how he likes insane panning and then so one of the synths in i mean i, I think i deliberately did that yeah, there's just two synths. This one's clearly brighter, all the way, I mean, pretty far left. And that one, right, which has this organ sound to it. 
that have so much white noise that it's going to, your attention will be shifted to the, the left side of the stereo. That was deliberate. I was just kind of going for that and trying to try something slightly different. And you just kind of perk your ear up. Whether you liked it or not, you it caught your attention. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that, was, that was kind of my point. It didn't, didn't feel, I suppose, the, the only reason why it felt unnatural is because I spend all day, every day listening to dance music. So I'm so used to like the normal. It was cool. The only feedback that I have for you, first off, this is amazing. I'm a huge fan of Crywolf. And so the fact that you could take a Crywolf song and make it good is pretty impressive. Make your own yeah. version and still have I, it be amazing. I feel like I... I searched the uh, the comment section of this YouTube upload for his thing, and that, that was the consensus, which is kind of funny. That was everyone just like, it's it's hard to touch the cry wolf, but you did it. And it's like, all right. And there's other people that are like, original's better. I'm like, yeah, sure, of course, it, of course it is. <laughs> no, I, I think it's awesome. The only uh, piece of advice that I have for you is what I stated earlier where it's like, I love, this is something that I truly do love about your your style, your music, is your usage of Foley and the stereo imaging that you use with Foley. And so if you could get that that gaming software that you pull the sound in and make it like, not just left, not just right, but moving. So it has a lot of movement to it. Where it's, you, you know what I mean? Where it kind of feels like it's like flying around your head rather than just on this side and this side. I think that could take your productions to the, the next level as far as like, stereo production does that make sense send me that link i will download it today hey daw nation hope you enjoyed episode 6.5 of behind the daw with madoka again sorry for the reverberant room because i'm in dixie state university right now again i don't go to school here it's kind of weird being here anyways doesn't matter so hope you enjoyed this episode if you are interested in checking out the patreon or giving us suggestions for artists or getting private lessons in music production or social media marketing there are links for those down in the description go ahead and click on that and finally again if this podcast is really helping you on your musical journey go ahead and like follow subscribe repost you know whatever is appropriate on the platform that you're on whether it's soundcloud itunes spotify deezer google play youtube wherever you're listening to this it helps us know that what we're doing is making a difference it is helping you so and also check out the next episode of behind the Daw. that episode is with Thrilogy. i interview Thrilogy with amity uh in his room actually it's really really cool we talk about things like how you don't have to move to los angeles in order to have a thriving music career uh some more things like that so go ahead and check that out it's literally the episode right after this uh thank you so much for listening to this episode of in the Daw. you know what I'll catch you next time, all right? Hey, you have a fantastic day. All right, we'll catch you later.